0: That's Tara's right. There are no words. Sometimes silence is good. We honor you. We praise you. We bless your name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within us. Bless your holy name. Thank you that you give us showers of blessings. Thank you, Lord, that that's both literal in rain and in our soul. And we pray in these moments ahead as we look at your word that you would fill us to overflowing, that you would help us to understand all that you have for us in our lives. And we'll thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Take me just a minute to get set up here. Last week, all the notes went flying, so I don't want that to happen to me. And just to mention, Myung asked me, or I asked him, and he said I could. Mac has surgery this Friday. Mac, Kim is Young and Jackie's son, and... Uh, This is about the third time, I think. And could I enlist you, this church, this body, uh, to pray wholeheartedly, maybe even fast and pray this week, that that God would have his way with the surgeon's hands and with Mac's body and that there would be a miracle. That's going to be our prayer this week. So uh, I just wanted to mention that, and Myung said I could. This morning, I would like to speak to you on the fullness of God. And I want to read, begin by reading Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. We're doing the whole story. This is the ninth message in the New Testament. And I have the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 3 and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. May God open our eyes to his holy word this morning. This week I read an article from the New York Times on collective effervescence. I'll quote it. The synchrony you feel when you slide into rhythm with others on the dance floor Colleagues in a brainstorming session, cousins at a religious service, or teammates on a soccer field has been largely absent from our lives during the pandemic. It's time for its return. That's Adam Grant, an organizational psychologist. There's a measure of truth to that, isn't there? Now, as Christians, we've been experiencing collective effervescence to a certain extent as we've met together both inside and outside as we have prayed together and worshiped together and fellowshiped together. But to say the least, we have somewhat been subdued in our experience due to the circumstances of these past 15 months. It was especially difficult in those first days when we were all live streaming, taking communion in our own living rooms. It was kind of strange, wasn't it? Praise the Lord, we're past that. I want to say this right off the bat, and it actually comes out of the text that I just read. God is always ready to give us so much more than we are willing to receive. I'll say it again. God is always ready to give us so much more than we are willing to receive. And he wants us, as Paul prayed, to be filled up to all the fullness of God, all the fullness of of himself. It's an experiment. We'll see if it succeeds. Nothing. Flat. Now there's a reason for that. My wife told me this was bought four years ago. It was in my classroom for that long. And uh, it was the year I had uh, surgery, and actually she bought it for my daughter, and I got six pack, and one was left. All right, we'll see if this one works. Don't worry, Lisa, it won't come that far. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All my notes are covered in effervescence, right? That's what effervescence means. How is your effervescence doing? Now by that I don't mean just a bubbly personality. Some people have bubbly personalities. Sometimes I'm uncomfortable with those. But you know, I love those people anyway. I don't necessarily have a bubbly personality. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God filling us to overflowing, to spraying all over the place. Not a good analogy, but you know what I mean. Does your life reveal that God is at work in you? I mean, you, you've been saved by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul told Titus. Are you full today? Or do you feel empty and bankrupt? And I know that in a congregation like this and Those of you in cars and those listening through live stream, we come at different places today. Baggage that just seems to weigh heavy on us. Some of us feel free of that because of Jesus Christ. And we have all kinds of experiences in between. But I believe that what God wants for us is the fullness of joy in our lives. He wants us to live in the fullness of himself. Now, lest you think this is just my own personal opinion, i refer you to, to you the words of our Savior himself, the Lord Jesus, as recorded by John in the seventh chapter of his gospel, beginning with the 37th verse. On the last day of the feast, it was the Feast of Booths, that great day, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. I remember Stephen Olford used to put it this way. He was a British guy. Rivers of living water. I can still hear it echo in my mind, preached 40 years ago when I heard him. But it's a truth that Jesus is speaking about, that we have, through the Holy Spirit, the possibility of experiencing all of the fullness of God. John went on to say, This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, for Jesus was not yet glorified. How do you experience the fullness of God? Well first you must believe in the gospel. The gospel has been threaded through the last nine messages. Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures, was buried, and rose again to verify that What he did was from God and that he was God. Our response to the gospel must be that we repent. We repent of our thinking, that we can please God on our own. Instead, we must cast ourselves on Jesus, have faith in his work that he paid for our sins. That's the gospel, and that's where fullness begins. If you have not received the gospel yet, then all that I'm going to say this morning is not for you, but it is for you because you can receive the gospel even this morning. That's where it begins. The gospel answers the deepest and most heart wrenching question that human beings wrestle with Am I accepted? And I, as I thought about the LGBTQ plus A, I don't know all the numbers and letters, but. It it is a movement, and is something that that we need to be in touch with. As I think of that movement, and I've watched it over the years for two decades, I think this question is at, at heart in those people's lives. Am I accepted? And that's really what they want. But the only acceptance is found in Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news that we can be accepted in Jesus Christ. That is where fullness begins, but it doesn't end there. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be filled with the Spirit. The tense plays out like this. Be being filled on a continual basis. It's the normal Christian life. The first part of the verse says, Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And We could easily apply that uh, and, and say don't substitute anything in your life For God, he is the true satisfier. Mick Jagger used to sing, and I think he's still singing it, I can't get no satisfaction. And he is, was, correct. Because satisfaction is only found, true satisfaction, in God. Not sex, not drugs, not alcohol, not pornography, not money, no toys, no houses, not even people can fully satisfy us like the God of the universe. Those things leave us hanging always for more, but there is true satisfaction in God himself. So I want us to take a look at the first three chapters of Ephesians 1 through 3. I'm not going to look at every verse, obviously. I only have a limited time, but we're going to focus in on chapters 1 through 3. As we think about how to be filled with all the fullness of God. First of all, we have to know God. John tells us in his gospel, again, the words of Jesus, this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and thy son, whom thou hast sent. So eternal life is knowing God. And the word know isn't just what's between my ears in terms of factual knowledge. It's intimate, it's closeness, It's knowing God in an intimate way. Now, we know that John also tells us that we can't do that without the Holy Spirit, John 16. And then John 3, Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of heaven. So the Spirit must fill us even to know God, know his plan, his purpose, his power, and his presence. And then the second part of the message will be We need to know ourselves, know who we are, what he can do in us, and they're interconnected, as we'll see. So Ephesians 1, let's turn to it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God of the saints who are at Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God is the great giver. Gifts given on a continual basis. We see it already in Genesis 3, way back when we started the whole story. Genesis 3, God promises Eve That a son will be born, and this son will crush the serpent's head. We see in Genesis 12 when God promises to Abraham that in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And now we have the gospel and God's blessings. Interesting, isn't it, that the first blessing that is spoken about here is that we are chosen chosen of God before the foundation of the world Paul said that in Galatians last book we did but when he had who but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me that's the work of God if you really want to know God you have to know God the eternal God, way back in eternity past, what did he do? The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, in eternity past, spoke to each other and said, this is the plan. I'm going to send you, my son, to redeem people. And he chose us. Now, I don't know how you take that. I take the word as it is. He chose us before the foundation of of the world and when I think about that thought and that blessing, I'm brought to my knees. I remember when I first heard about it, it was like oh my goodness, that's the God, kind of God I have to believe in, I'm not so sure. And then I read the book of Job and I got on my knees and I realized God had chosen me. That's beyond my conception, beyond your conception. We can't understand all the details and intricacies of it but I think we need to take it as a blessing from God. Not only did he choose us, he follows that up and says, in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. All of us are connected to God in some way. We are his offspring, Paul says in Acts 17, but we are not his children. We are illegitimate. And we have to be adopted, and he predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Listen to this. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. We're talking theology this morning, the deep things of God, and theology always must result in doxology. We praise him. That's what we were doing to you, God, to you, God. Alone be the glory and the praise. But Paul goes on in verse 7, and he says, In him we have redemption through his blood. Oh, we don't have a sense of the purchase of our souls. What does Jesus say? What does it gain for man? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? God has redeemed our souls. We are redeemed, purchased by the blood of the Lamb. And that's just another blessing that Paul adds here. And then he says in verse 8, we have insight. Did you ever think about that? We know, my little girl, when she was yay high, and she answered the catechism question, who made you? God made me, she knew more than all the professors that she had when she went to UMaine and Lehigh University and got her educational psychologist degree. She knew more even then that God made her. We have insight into the mystery. And if you read Ephesians uh, closely, you'll see this mystery is is something that the prophets uh, tried to figure out into but couldn't fully understand but you and I as believers in Jesus Christ have this insight and then next verse 11 inheritance in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined there's that word again it's used only six times in all the New Testament according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will and as I thought about this yesterday I thought about the, the streets of gold paved, the new heavens and a new earth. There are going to be trees for healing. There's going to be a river that runs through it. That's our inheritance. Oh, I hope you can be filled with all the fullness of God when you see the gifts that God has given to us. And lastly, in verse 13, it says that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Paul goes on in verse 16 of this chapter, and I'm going to finish with this chapter uh, just by alluding to it that he prays that we might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And then he says that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power Toward us who believe. We used to sing a song 20 years ago. Open the eyes of my heart. You guys remember that? I almost wanted to like start singing it. But I'm not going to. I don't have time. Open the eyes of my heart Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. As we sing holy, holy, holy. This is one where we're filled with the fullness of God. Knowledge is really important. Wisdom and the revelation of God, understanding. Uh, I'm going to illustrate that with a pilot who was coming in for a landing, thought everything was good, coming in, coming in, and all of a sudden the tower saw him. His landing gear was not down. Belly landings are possible, but they're rough. The tower alerted him, asked him to rise, put his landing gear down. I don't know what happened, malfunction Usually you have a, some kind of switch in, inside the cockpit, but neither the pilot nor the co-pilot knew it. But the information that the tower gave to that pilot saved all those people's lives, or at least kept them from a disaster. Information is important. We need to know God. We need to know everything we can about him. Search the scriptures. I uh, I tacked on a piece of paper here, just to remind myself. Are you memorizing scripture, young people? You do that in school. Good. Old people, good. I see some heads shaking. The rest of you, come on, work on it. If an old guy, I'm 68, can memorize scripture, and I've memorized two verses, uh, two passages in Titus this summer. And now I'm working on Jude. And uh, why? I've been reading the Bible for 50 years. But it's new and it's fresh every time I read it. And in order to be filled up with the fullness of God, you need to know God. You need to spend time with God. And you need to allow him to fill you. So know God. Secondly, we need to know ourselves. We can't really know who we are except by God's word. No sociologist, no psychologist, no counselor can truly reveal, though those people can help us at times, they can't truly reveal who we are. We must read Ephesians 2 in order to do that. So let's look at that. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. And you were dead, your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air who is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh and in the desires of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh, and were by nature children of wrath. The screen set a little different because I did it in the NASB, that's the ESV. And you were dead. And you were dead. Someone may be sitting here or listening and they're dead. No, they're alive, they're breathing. But they're spiritually dead. They have no life. And we, before Christ, B.C., we were dead. But that's not the worst of it. We were also depraved. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's the devil. What does it mean to be depraved? Well, it doesn't mean that you did all the bad that you could do, right? Thankfully, humans aren't there. Although I read the news every day, I get blips on my uh, iPad from Philadelphia, channel 29. And it's just so sad. It makes me thankful I live in Maine, but it's two-year-old child dies. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's the bad news. And this is the bad news about us, right? In order to appreciate the good news, that's what the gospel is, the good news, we have to know the bad news. And so we're depraved, and then we're doomed We are children of wrath, God says. But move on to verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together by grace you are saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? in order that in the ages to come, he might show what is the surpassing riches of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Oh, I love that verse, verse 4. But we were dead, but God made us alive in Christ. We're empty, we're bankrupt, we're helpless, we're hopeless without Christ. But God can pierce through the darkness and the deadness of our souls To bring us to a life of fullness and flourishing and satisfaction. The psalmist said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Maybe you're not there this morning. Maybe you're in your sin, in your habits, in your addictions, in a place that is very difficult. God can release you from that. He wants you to have his fullness. The gospel brings fullness. It begins with the peace we have when we know Jesus died for us. But it continues. What does he say here? Regeneration. That's life. God gives. We're raised. That's what baptism represents. Come up out of the water resurrected by the power of God. We are seated positionally. We're already in heaven. Some of us are closer to that than than others of you and looking forward to it. And then we're true worshipers, verse 7. In order that in the ages to come, he might show what is the surpassing riches of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For all of eternity, my brothers and sisters, we're going to be learning of the depth and the breadth and the height of God's love. Let's return to our opening text. Ephesians 3, 14. And to Paul's prayer. It's his second prayer. He prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. And now we're praying that we would truly see. I'm going to start with... Uh, Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's by faith that that happens, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. These guys are going to sing about that great, great love, and then I'm going to come back and just have a few words. For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any person should boast. Do you know the next verse? It says we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, his point Maya, his beautiful, beautiful work. And God wants for you to be filled with all of him. Today you may be lackadaisical about your faith. There may be bitterness in your life. Maybe you're just flat-out lazy, and you don't spend time with God enough to consider. These guys just sang about His great love. But He's there. He's the open-armed Father who wants us to come to Him, to be filled up with Him on a regular basis. Don't play games. Don't call yourself a Christ follower. If you're just playing those games this isn't a game this is life with the god of the universe to an eternity past said i love you and he still loves us let's pray oh father we can't get over your love words could not describe our heartfelt appreciation for you and what you did, your son and your spirit. I pray for each person here, each person online, each person in these cars, that Lord, you would stir us. You would make us to see that Christianity is a life, not just a religion. It's every part of us. Revive us, God. Revive this country. Revive our souls so that we may continually give honor and praise to you. In Jesus' precious name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week.